Hello, it's good to have you back. I am Hannah, and you are listening to the fourth episode of my podcast, where I started a journey of discovery around the topic of trauma, specifically PTSD, often accompanying cancer, its causes and possible treatments. In the previous episodes, we talked about the fact that cancer has been reported to trigger symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, in a substantial proportion of individuals, and even more people are affected by subsyndromal post-traumatic stress symptoms. The problem is widespread and has a high prevalence, and despite the significant burden associated with these symptoms, there are as yet no therapeutic guidelines and only weak evidence available for the effectiveness of psychological interventions. As this complex diagnostic issue has serious implications for how cancer-related distress is generally treated, it is very important to assess the effectiveness and study evidence-based treatments such as the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, CBT, or Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, EMDR but also to take into account how therapies may have different effect on syndromal and subsyndromal cancer-related PTSD symptoms. In this quest to provide an evidence base for developing appropriate clinical practice, conceptual issues specific to cancer-related PTSD and other issues as well, such as the difficulty in pinpointing a specific traumatic event, the ongoing, complex and unfolding nature of possible stressors in cancer, and the overlap between symptoms of PTSD and other anxiety and mood disorder, disorders common amongst cancer patients, poses real threats and setbacks. Study numbers, hence, are still small, and there is an extremely wide variation in methodology, quality and participant characteristics thus limiting the strength of conclusions that can be drawn and used further. As the recently published ECHO Essential Requirements for Quality Cancer Care, ERQCC, a carefully curated collection of checklists and explanations of organization and actions that are necessary to give high-quality care to cancer patients, states, although screening for depression and distress in primary care has a long history, most studies report pitfalls, such as relying on unassisted judgment without infrastructural support or using overly complex scales. This, of course, has serious implications for selecting appropriate treatment for, for patient benefits. Awareness, however, is rising about the fact that a more comprehensive approach in screening for debilitating stress problems in cancer patients should be utilized, which takes into account patient's psychological history. The good news is, however, that some PTSD-specific interventions, such as the already mentioned CBT or MDMR, supportive expressive group therapy, have already shown promising results. And although still controversial and under a whole lot of scrutiny, different psychedelic-assisted-centered therapy trials were given green light and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration even allowed assisted MDMA therapy for patients outside a formal study through a compassionate use program. Ketamine and MDMA have been used as tools in transforming the therapist-patient interaction, 
by altering patient's consciousness to allow for more penetrating explorations of trauma. In a very much quoted 2017 Lancet Psychiatry Review entitled Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder and Cancer, Matthew Cordova cited a few studies showing that talk therapy reduced breast cancer patients' intrusive thoughts, but again cautioned against using general PTSD treatments for patients with cancer-related PTSD where trauma is still ongoing. He said, and I quote, for some, it's less intrusive thoughts about what they experienced and more intrusive thoughts about having to go through it again. A randomized clinical trial conducted in 2010 by a team of researchers led by Catherine and Duhamel proved that even a 10-session telephone-administered CBT intervention developed for hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, which is an increasingly common treatment for hematologic and lymphoid cancers and non-malignant diseases. So for these survivors, this telephone-assisted uh, CBT, telephone-administered CBT, is an efficacious treatment for reducing illness-related PTSD symptoms and general distress. Also, interventions that were not necessarily designed to address cancer-related PTSD have also shown positive effects. For example, clinicians had improved perceived self-efficacy uh, self in responding to patient anger after completing anger management training. This relates also to what we discussed about the communication between patients and doctors. With a focus on reframing anger as a normative response to unmet needs. This also applies to patients. Psychosocial and mindfulness programs for cancer patients were found to be very useful for modifying anger or denial response to stressors, and cancer survivors who perceive cognitive decline responded positively to interventions focused on stress reduction. Relieving Relieving cancer-related stress, relieving cancer-related stress can improve the perceived cognitive impairment. Having cognitive abilities back to normal could be helpful not only for better handling of daily activities, hence improving life quality, but also for improved coping with cancer as a traumatic experience. For example, by reconsolidating traumatic memories related to cancer. Pharmacotherapy for cancer-related PTSD has, again, received very little research attention. Studies uh, concentrating mostly on relieving the, uh, very, the hardship on the body of the cancer treatment. But initial studies show that antidepressant medication in cancer patients with chronic depression worked better than therapy alone. However, which is interesting, patients with a history of childhood trauma responded more positively to psychotherapy than to antidepressant medication. And of course, patients with no trauma history responded more positively to medication than to psychotherapy. Again, we can see here the importance of prior assessment of a patient's uh, health, uh, mental health history. And the overall red line of my entire podcast showing that a cancer diagnosis might trigger a recurrence of prior trauma-related symptomatology. In conclusion, we can say that at this moment, there is only weak evidence available for the effectiveness of targeted 
pharmacological interventions in reducing symptoms of cancer-related PTSD. And the majority of interventions used in current practice are administered to all cancer patients, regardless of whether they have history of prior mental health problems or show pretreatment levels of post-traumatic stress. Future studies and higher quality trials are also needed before treatment recommendations can be made. Of course, overall the reduction of cancer survivors or uh, patients in cancer care stress can improve emotional well-being and quality of life and, of, uh, and, and help the treatment. Of course, it is very important that care must meet the complex needs of vulnerable and marginalized population to tackle health inequalities. For example, by funding outreach programs to help often excluded groups such as those with mental health problems, learning disabilities, and people experiencing homelessness to access general practice. Thank you again for listening and join me again next time where we will go on a journey in the art and literature inspired and fueled by the trauma of cancer and a brief discussion about the role of humor in cancer care.